Greetings and welcome to the audio etheric transmission, The Tales of Sage and Savant. Our tale stars Eddie Louise as Dr. Petronella Sage, Chip Michael as Professor Erasmus Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Mix Abigail Entwistle, and myself, Justin Bremer, as your humble narrator. Special guest this episode is Leslie Gideon as April. If you want to learn more of the stories of Sage and Savant and the reasons why I record these broadcasts, you can pick up our book, Transmigrations, available on our website and everywhere books are sold. If you like our show and would like to help us do what we do, go to patreon.com slash sageandsavant and become a supporter. This month's program, entitled A Wager One, is sponsored by Twin Star Studios and features the music of Frenchie and the Punk. And now, without further ado, we bring you the tales of Sage and Savant. last we saw our doctor, she was recuperating from brain surgery and, to phrase it bluntly, death. Philosophers through the ages have speculated on the nature of death and the afterlife. Petronella Sage died and was called back to life by her dearest friend and lover, Erasmus Savant. I was in full telesensation link the entire time and can report that death is still a mystery. It was like there was a perception filter that did not allow me to penetrate the veil. I felt the severing of Petra's consciousness, the black velvet vacuum she left behind, but I could no longer feel what she felt, know what she knew. Petra has told her friends that she sensed nothing in the afterlife, no light, no ancestors, but I can tell there is something still hovering at the back of her mind. Perhaps as her brain regains full vitality, the memory will come back and she will share it with her friends. For now, it is time her life returned to normal, and her friends are going to make sure it does. Oh look, there has been a terrible cyclone. Palmerston is devastated. Palmerston? Australia? Yes, it says the great cyclone uplifted roofs, uprooted trees and telegraph poles, destroying almost all of the buildings. Chinatown on Cavanaugh Street was particularly hard hit. Hmm, 
Erasmus, are immigrant communities harder done by in such storms and natural disasters? Only because of poverty, my dear. Immigrant peoples are just as strong and hardy as we are. However, buildings and homes... Well, that is sad. Why doesn't the government... Pay attention. Offer support to build better, stronger buildings. There's always an element of pushback when we offer help to the poor. One part of society doesn't want to help. Another fears that they will somehow lose out if we give government help to others. Still another sees futility in any effort to make things fair. It is human nature to argue these things, I'm afraid. Well, I, for one, do not see the value in that argument. For a system such as human society to find equilibrium, any gradients in state functions such as pressure or density must be balanced by external forces so that they remain constant. What system are we talking about? Society. And what is out of balance? The treatment of the poor. The belief some people hold to that we should not give to the poor. Ah, right. And thermodynamic theory applies how? I was simply observing that if we organize society by looking at it as a closed system, people on the inside held in a state of equilibrium, the world on the outside. In such an arrangement, external forces such as cyclones would have less destructive force because the center equilibrium would dictate that all peoples have enough, and we could better counterbalance the loss. So, would you advocate a redistribution of resources? Not exactly, but I do believe, like Lenin and the other young revolutionaries in Russia and Bulgaria, that the changing nature of the world, the push to automation and industrial manufacturing, will affect us all. Do we let prosperity flow only into the hands of the rich? If we do, we risk imbalance and the entire system might implode. It seems logical, therefore, to spend some time thinking of that which balances our society and how to keep equilibrium. Last month, I lost a crusading scientist, and now she's reborn a revolutionary. (laughs) I have not changed a whit. Everything I'm trying to do is about making life, this world, a better place. Speaking of that, Petra, are you ready to transmigrate? Or do you feel you have enough data to complete your report and therefore have no need for further transmigration? No. And no. I'm still not happy with the data from my CRAP readings. I know you're seeing some anomalies from before, Petra, but you know as well as I do that those blips are most likely caused by scar tissue, which you are bound to have since you had two surgeries in short order. I see nothing in the reports that would cause me to advise a continued cessation of travel. Perhaps, but... Petra, we wouldn't pressure you to do something that would do you harm. I suggest that the two of you let me be the doctor here, and we speak of other things. Well, I suppose there is no reason not to send me to speak with Justin, then. I'm not sure I understand the point of you visiting the far future. Petra, I know you want to push everything into the past and forget about it, but they reached you. Whoever they are, they reach through time and space. Maybe using Calypso to do it, and they hurt you. I, for one, do not intend to let that stand. Nor I. Abigail must learn what she can from Justin to help us protect you and your research. I am grateful for you both, but really... No, enough, Petra. 
You are not alone in this, and it is time that you accepted that fact. And while we're on the subject of your future, you'd better face Provost McNeish and schedule your Viva Voce, or the semester will end and he will have grounds to close your research position. He wouldn't dare. Mightn't he? We haven't heard from Calypso in over a month, and though the electricity is paid through the spring, do we even know if there will be more funding? Well, no. Exactly. Besides, your research is solid. I've read over your process papers, and everything is good. The calculations are clear, the support and evidence is strong. If you need help crafting language that sings, I'm your man. <laughs> All right. All right. I know it is time. Great. I'll suit up. I should be feeling jealous, Abigail jaunting off without me. But you're not? I don't want to burst the bubble. The bubble of us? There is no worry there, pet. I will be at your side no matter what. I know that, but these last few weeks have been an oasis. I hadn't realized how stressed and exhausted I was. I have to admit, I am happy seeing you gain a little weight again, getting some color back in your cheeks, sprawling in your curls. <laughs> My curls, they are hardly there, just a woolly cap. I must closely resemble a sheep. Oh no, Petronella. Sheep's wool is much denser in texture and never <laughs> such a pretty color of red. <laughs> Though there may be one or two strands here in the front coming in in lamb's wool white. <gasps> you. I shan't see white hair for many years yet, as long as I studiously avoid looking in a glass. Good thing I've never been vain. I'd be happy to bring you a hand mirror. Oh. All right, Abigail. Uh, let's send you on your way. And so, Abigail steps into the future. Into my time. The body of the zookeeper welcomes her like an old friend. It has only been a few visits, but already this body feels nearly as comfortable as her own back at King's. She rises from her stasis pod and follows the hall to the door of the Hades Project. Her palm slides against the reader and the door opens to reveal a man in a large command chair, his body snug in high-tech Faraday armor, his cranium enveloped in a CRAP helmet. I'm sorry. It's just too strange to narrate my own life in this way. Lucy, can we just play the video into the record? Certainly, Justin. Initiating. Hello, Justin. I am back, as I promised. So, what is our first move? Abigail, I didn't expect you yet. You could have taken a day off at least. I took a couple of weeks in my time, but transmigration allows... allows for you to arrive here just a few hours after you left, of course. I'm sorry, I have gone through nearly two months of files today. It does play with your sense of the passage of time. I should alert April. She's awake. Is she okay? April is fine. I have already alerted her. She will join us momentarily. I have also alerted Wei Boyong, but I have not yet had a response from him. April is not fine. She's physically all right, but what Julio did to her? Yeah, she's not fine. 
April, come in. Have a seat. Justin, who is that? I'm Abigail. Who? Oh, oops. Right. So, we have a lot to bring you up to speed on. Rather than bore you by rehashing what you already know, we will take a short musical break. Now, dear friends, we invite you to listen to the musical outpourings of the remarkable Frenchie and the Punk. Look 
And now, back to our story. I should love to tell you what is going on in my own time, but the effort to bring April up to speed left her feeling a bit overwhelmed and I convinced her to take a break, get something to eat, and maybe show Abigail around the canteen. Whilst I waited for them to return, I settled back into reviewing files. Lucy assures me we are close to the end, and every detail is important. Roughly 9,000 years ago, the Sumerians created tokens out of clay. Stamps were made and pressed into clay tokens with pictures of objects, cattle, grain, and the like to signify ownership. Eventually, scribes began drawing directly into the clay using reeds. This is considered the first written language known as cuneiform. Hmm. Well done, Erasmus, old boy. The book is shaping up nicely. <clears throat> Mm, um, Egyptians would expand this into... Hello, Erasmus. Hello, Petra. How did it go with Provost McNeish? As well as can be expected. He emphasized over and over again that he resented being blackmailed into keeping my tenure for purely economic reasons. <sighs> yes, we expected as much. He emphatically stated that I would be given no special treatment in the Viva Voce. In fact, my examiners will be encouraged to examine me with utmost rigor so that kings could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that money did not buy science. You can withstand any examination. You know your thesis front to back. And I must prepare my paper for the 1st of April. Oh. I think he scheduled it on All Fool's Day as common. That is soon. But you can be ready. My examination will be in May. May? Oh, why, that's a whole month before any other candidate will be asked to defend. Yes. But that is patently unfair. He said it was because, and I quote, The over-large grant from Le Chargé de la Faire has placed the college in an awkward position. He feels that I must be examined first, before the committee has been worn down. What were his precise words? Before the boredom born of banality has rendered the examiner soft and easily impressed. Well, that's cheeky of him. Indeed it is. <sighs> How do you feel about a quick jaunt to the future? Why, yes, of course. What has changed your mind? Uh, something McNeish said. He accused me of having no hobbies or amusements of any kind. He said I show utter disregard of the most elementary rules. In short, Petronella Sage, you must ask yourself, <laughs> am I really a fit to remain <laughs> a fellow at King's? Oh, that is outrageous. King's is lucky to have you. He has a point, though. I haven't conducted myself in the most collegiate of manners. Well, perhaps not. But your provosts have been most backwards in their lack of support for female fellows and... And? Well, nothing really. I, I was just going to say one doesn't ask genius to walk the same road as the rest of us. But we do ask. Over and over and over again, mankind says to the Shining Ones, Would you mind not being so bright? <sighs> so, I'm still not clear where will we be going. Oh, didn't I say? We're going to New York to see Nikola. Tesla? We don't need to transmigrate to see him. 
No, but then how will I know if I've won the wager if I don't? The wager? On the oscillator? I thought that was just a bit of physics fun and games. Well, it was. Mostly. But I realized, as Dr. McNeish was insulting me in almost the exact manner that Edison insulted Nick, that Tesla's ideas concerning the vibrations of all things are not far off from my own investigations, and the proof of that lies in the recall chimes and the resonators. Well, if I want to speak with Nick on calculations, well, I might as well go and find out if he won the wager, or if I did. So, we're going to New Year's Day, 1899? Yes, here's hoping that I inhabit the body of a man, preferably a bright young man. Why ever would that be necessary? Tesla has not shown reticence to work with ladies before. Well, not exactly, but he has, as he says, a violent aversion to the earrings of women, and it would be easier if I inhabited a body that would not need a wardrobe change before we visit. And so, at last, Petra prepares to transmigrate. Abigail's body lays placidly on its plinth as the professor takes his place on the slab next to her. Petra, do you think our departure might do harm to Abigail? The electricity comes in concentrated beams. There will be no backwash on her. Which means her resonator won't pull us into the far future where she is. I do love that you pay attention to the scientific details. I pay attention to all details, Petra. Right. Abigail is scheduled to be in the future another three days. Shall we set recall to line up with her? I think that would be a good plan. I am most anxious to learn what she has found out. Right. Do you think I closed the door correctly? What if I caught the tapestry in it? Someone might investigate and then... Petra! I'm sure it's fine! It's all right. I'll be right back. All is good. Right you are. On we go, then. Did... did you feed the creatures? Yes, whilst you were talking with the provost, as we agreed. Right. Okay. Cladney plates set, prayer bowls in position, recall date entered. Wait, I'd better tamp down the coal fire. Pet, sweetie can stop. Everything is all right. We don't have to go if you're not ready. Ugh. Come here. I feel so silly. I'm not afraid of transmigration. I don't know what I'm afraid of. You're afraid that once your consciousness is unmoored, you will be vulnerable once again. But how did you know? I've already lived through this stage of recovery. Remember. Oh, this feeling in the pit of my stomach is awful. If you were feeling this, why did you continue to transmigrate? You were following your science. I was following you. Well, Erasmus, will I ever feel whole again? Of course you will, my love. I'd quite like to not be afraid. I have never been afraid in my life. And you will be fearless again. Today is the first step to reclaiming yourself. Shall we go see if you've won your wager? 
And so our heroes strap in, and soon their consciousnesses have navigated the stream of time to land in bodies in New York City, New Year's Day, 1899. Well, not quite yet, New Year's Day. The sun is not yet risen, and the last revelers still dance through the streets, kissing strangers and swapping bottles. Inside a rather posh hotel, the scene of our hero's arrival, however, is a little less celebratory. Petra! Oh, I don't feel so well. <laughs> oh. oh, alcohol poisoning. I've been through this one before. Oh, what is it about New Yorkers and booze? I think we shall skip ahead through this part, ladies and gentlemen. Sage and Savant have landed in bodies of two young and handsome men dead of alcohol poisoning on New Year's Eve. From appearances, and the mostly naked forms of their hosts, it seems the two might be lovers, but it would be hours before they have recovered enough to find out. Petra picks up the phone and manages to order barley water, bowls of jelly, fresh bread, and hot tea. Whomever these young gentlemen are, the hotel responds with alacrity, even at 4 a.m., and before long, the retching has eased and they are able to take stock. This is what you went through as Delilah? <sighs> yes, it was. It is awful, isn't it? <sighs> I don't know how you had any energy to flirt with me. Me flirt with you? I was simply trying to save your life. It was you <laughs> who kept being distracted by things. Not by things, dear. By you. Oh, look. It is a bath, and it's big enough for two. Yes! Oh, that is good. Move over. Oh, you're right. Oh, that is good. Good. They lounged in the bath, steaming away the residue of sick and recovering their energy. The bodies were young and strong, and obviously not quite as gin-soaked as Mix Delilah had been. And by the time the bath was cooling, they were feeling quite vigorous. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Well, I just, I, I mean, that was unexpected. What? Oh. Yes. Oh. Do you think these two were lovers? Well, judging by my body's reaction and your body's response. 
So what should we do about it? I have some ideas. Not the bed. It's filthy. I think it is best if we leave our heroes to their privacy just now. Suffice it to say, love is love, and they have a marvelous beginning to their new year. We will leave them to their revels and pause for a word from our sponsor. Hello, listeners. Chip Michael here, co-creator of Sage and Savant. We are a little sad to announce that season four will be the last season of our story, but we remain committed to delivering an epic and satisfying story. We know how to do that now. And as they say, all good things must come to an end. But I promise, Eddie and I and the team here at Twin Star Studios will still show up in your feed. We have some really great ideas for new audio dramas, and, well, for the first time, we're venturing out into the land of nonfiction podcasting with a show called Anniversary. Here's a little taste of what's to come. As with many things in our life, we're not really sure how our symbol of the stars really started. When we met, we were both very active in theater in high school, and we both had the crazy idea of starring on Broadway. That hasn't happened yet, but I think it all came really down to the first month anniversary. I got the idea that, oh, we're going to be one month, and that's going to be a big deal. I need to get her something. So I frantically went to a store and found a little pendant with a star on it. I thought, this is great, but I, I need to make it unique. So I, I wanted to be engraved. And the people that sold the star were like, yeah, we can't engrave this. And I'm like, well, that, that doesn't work. i got to find somebody to engrave it. So father knew a optometrist who then went, oh yeah, well, we've got an engraver that will do lenses. You can just come down here and, and do it yourself. And so I did. And the word Eddie kind of mangled onto the star. Again, the star was one of those less expensive varieties. So it wasn't really designed to be engraved, but I got it done all in the last two days before our anniversary. And with the help of friends driving me around. Yeah, at that point in time, I didn't have a driver's license. That's another story for another time. But it came time, time was like it gave her the gift. And that's really where I think the star for us started. Look for episodes of Anniversary to appear March 2020. And to the other shows in the works, we'll announce those as details get more concrete. For now, enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Keep your eyes on Twin Star Studios for Anniversary and many other exciting things in 2020. And now, back to our show. It took them a day to recover, but when they had their strength back, had donned clean clothes, and left the disaster of the hotel room to the mercies of the cleaning staff, they made their way to Houston Street to seek out the Serbian genius. Yes? Isochronous alternating electric current engines will never work. Not unless you found a magical way to eliminate friction. 
That might have been the strangest calling card I have ever witnessed. Nick was never one for societal niceties. Scientific curiosity, however, will always open his door. Do I know you? You do not, but you know a lecturer of mine, Dr. Petronella Sage. She has sent me to collect on her debt. That is outrageous. How do I know you come from her? Why did she not come in person to pay her debt to me? She told me to tell you this. A beautiful dream, though now the glories fade, alas, the wings which lift the mind so lightly can find no bodily counterpart. Daughter, she tells you this. Does she think I am simple to be swayed by my own drunken appreciation for German poetry? Well, why are you still standing there? Come in, come in. The apartment was dark, the wallpaper stained, and the furnishings were minimum. A good portion of the room was taken up by electromagnetic equipment in various stages of construction. Tesla unseated the debris from three bare wooden chairs and placed them at a small kitchen table. Tea? Coffee? I'm afraid I have nothing else to offer. Has Edison still refused to pay you your due? Edison will owe me $50,000 for eternity, which is how long it would take for him to recoup his integrity. Money is not important. Only to fund research. Who is this impertinent man to speak to me so? I'm sorry, we didn't introduce ourselves. I am Peter, and this is Ari. We are students at King's College. Dr. Sage has spoken so highly of you in our physics courses that we feel as if we already know you. Dr. Sage speaks of me. She says there is no man who has contributed more to the field of galvanism than Nikola Tesla. She credits the success of her own electromagnetic medical engines to your work. That is nice, but her flattery will not win her money back. She has lost the wager. She has. And how is that? A few weeks ago, I tested the oscillator in this very spot. Well, not exactly this spot, but in that building that is being constructed next door. Do tell. I attached my oscillator to a central steel piling in the basement of the building. When I tuned it to find a resonance, the entire floor started vibrating. Fascinating. Don't interrupt. I turned up the drive pressure and all the large machine tools in the basement started sliding across the concrete floor. As the vibrations increased, the whole neighborhood began rumbling, buildings shifting, windows bursting. I couldn't shut down the steam instantly, so instead I stopped the vibration by shattering the valve with a sledge. Oh, Nicola, you smashed your machine. Yeah, I can make another. Lucky for me, my device was already silent when the police arrived, so they didn't figure out that it was I who caused the destructions. But that is... Unbelievable. Incredible. Don't look at me like that. If my research was just casually spoken of, it would also be unbelievable. Your research? I, I mean, Dr. Sage's research, which I'm fortunate to have some small part in. Tell me of this research. I... I am not at liberty to divulge much, as the doctor will be standing viva voce in the spring, but I can confirm that it bears some similarity to your own work in sympathetic vibration. Interesting. Tell me anything you can. Their conversation followed the behavior of sine waves, frequency modulation, stiction, viscosity, and friction. 
Tesla and Sage share a passion for not just the calculations of physics, but for the hard manufacturing of components to conduct and carry the electricity that powers their imaginations. We shall leave them to their peregrinations through the wonders of electrical science. I need to play the video of what was revealed in my own time once April and Abigail returned from lunch. So that is what my charge is and what I've learned. And Julio attacked you? Attacked me? In order to get access to transmigration? Why didn't he just apply to be a transmigrationist? We suspect that Lesere Dutant want deregulated access to the technology. They desire to transmigrate free of the five rules. They want to exploit the technology of the past or Lord forbid the future, but that would lead to chaos. But what can we do about it if they are inside the operation? Wei Boyong and I have developed a plan. That's great. What is it? I don't know. You don't know? You just said you had developed the plan. I did. Then Wei Boyong erased it from my memory banks in case I ever got hacked, which was prescient. It turns out, I am now charged with sending each of you to meet with Wei Boyong. He will move locations in between each meeting so that if your movements are being tracked individually, the paths won't lead to him. Justin, you will not leave the Hades bunker. And April, I'm afraid we'll need to keep you as well for a few more hours. We need to know everything you know. I don't really know anything. I had no idea about any of this. We were just texts. What happened the night of the hurricane? There were hours between the attack on me and when you picked me up in the airship. Where were you? Why didn't the system alert you to my distress? Julio dodged my questions at the time. I don't know. The night of the storm is blank for me. It is most likely that you were drugged. We do not have video of the lab on that night. It was blamed on a loss of power, but it is very unusual that none of the redundant systems kicked in. We are currently revisiting all instances of security access by Julio. This is just crazy. We are a research institution. I came aboard to do advanced AGI implementation in co-work applications with humans. I know everything about superposition of quibits and quantum frameworks, but I have no idea how to be a spy. To be honest, I'm not even sure I want to be involved. I'm sorry, April. We realize you're under stress. We won't require more from you than we must to prevent Leoy Duton from destroying the work and values of Les Chargés de l'Affaire. Thank you. I'm sorry for being limp. No, you are simply acting as the voice of reason. That is my role at the laboratory at King's. Your concerns are completely justifiable. Still, I don't regret the journey I've been on with Petra Sage. I might hope that the work in this laboratory is every bit as valuable and worthy of your time. Thank you. Maybe I just need some sleep. Or some creatures. I find that creatures help one stay grounded in a most fundamental way. If you humans are ready to get to work. Will April agree to defend Le Charge de l'Affaire? Will Les Arrêts du Temps make their move? Will Wei Boyang's plan succeed? We'll find out in the next episode of The Tales of Sage and Savant. The Tales of Sage and Savant is a twin star production brought to you on the first of each month from our Southern California studios. Starring Eddie Louise as Sage, Chip Michael as Savant, 
Emily Riley Pyatt as Abigail, and Justin Bremer as the narrator. Soundtrack music, sound design, and audio engineering by Chip Michael. The theme song for season four was interpreted and recorded by Victor and the Bully. Episode 406, A Wager One, was written by Eddie Louise. Check out our website, sageandsavant.com, to find the facts behind the fiction. If you like our show and would like to help us do what we do, go to patreon.com slash sageandsavant and become a supporter. And finally, as always, we urge you to remember that death is no barrier to science. Science.